You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. And uh, Philippians 1.27, I will be in Philippians chapter 1 if you want to turn there tonight. And just as part of my introduction in verse 27... While you're turning there, let me read that. It says, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Paul is a great example of what the principle is that I would like for us to learn tonight. And that is that we're not just supposed to talk about the gospel, we're supposed to live the gospel. Paul was a great example of that. Paul, for preaching the gospel, by the way, which, incur, which includes the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, because of that, Paul had been imprisoned. For two years, he was imprisoned in Caesarea Philippi. And then after that, we know he's another two years in Rome. And even though he was under house arrest in, in Rome and in bonds, he still did what God wanted him to do. He still did what he could for the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, the greatest cause of the Christian. Now, I know our purpose is to please God. But when we talk about the cause of Christianity, the cause that we have is the gospel cause. That is the greatest cause that we have. Now, one of the things that happened during those two years of Paul's life there at Rome is God used him to write for us several of our New Testament books, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. And so here we are in Philippians chapter 1, one of those books that Paul wrote during that time. And in chapter 1, uh, Paul uses a personal illustration of himself and how God used difficult circumstances in his life to further the gospel. And then he goes on to encourage them really to live the life the gospel requires us to live. And so I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We'll begin reading in verse 12. Let's see what Paul says here about his own personal experience. He said, but I will you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather under the furtherance of the gospel. Verse 12 there, verse 13. So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and therein do uh, I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Let me remind you, Jesus Christ did the gospel. The gospel is the story of what Jesus Christ did to save us. And so the message of the gospel then has been given to us to give to the world. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the last part of verse 19 says, And hath committed unto us the word 
of reconciliation. It's like God said, here, I've got this word here and I'm giving it to you, not for you to hang on to, for you to pass it around, for you to give it to this world. To live in the will of God then is to live in such a way as to make our lives about the gospel. Not just on Saturday or Sunday, but every day in all that we do. Now, if we cooperate with God's plan, listen to this. God will use any situation that comes into our life to further the gospel. To further the gospel. That is helping it move forward, promoting it, advancing it, if you will. The cause of Christ being advanced by our own lives. Paul is an example of that, and then Paul will encourage those, church, that, those folks there here in Philippi to live and do the same thing. Let's pray. Father, I pray that tonight you would, God, speak to us. I pray that it be used, God, and I pray that, God, my words would be exactly what you want us to hear. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So as Christians, we find our purpose in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is something Paul mentions frequently, even here in the first chapter of the, of the book of Philippians. He speaks in verse 5 of the fellowship of the gospel. He speaks in verse 7 of the defense and confirmation of the gospel. If you will, his apologetics of it, his establishing of it. In verse 12, we read this, he talked about the furtherance of of the gospel. In verse 27, he talks about a conversation that is becoming of the gospel. Also in verse 27, he talks about the faith of the gospel. All of this in this first chapter. See, after his conversion on the road to Damascus, Paul found a new purpose, a new cause in his life. That new cause was the gospel of Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. I find this kind of fascinating. Three times in scripture, the Holy Spirit had Paul to pen these words, my gospel. Paul speaking and he says, my gospel. He said in Romans 2, 16 and, and in uh, Romans 16, 25 and 2 Timothy 2, 8, three times he refers to the gospel as my gospel. Now we all know it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. But Paul so understood his purpose and his responsibility in the gospel that he called it his gospel, his responsibility. He took ownership of it to make it known to everyone that he came in contact with. Now I think it's always wise, maybe not every time, but it's wise once in a while to stop and reiterate again what is the gospel. Because it's something you and I need to know and be extremely familiar with, and I'm sure that you do. But I'll just remind you in 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 1, it says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which ye also have received, and wherein you stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that... Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures and then it goes on to reiterate the fact that he was seen after he had risen from the dead. 
Paul said, I'm declaring the gospel. I'm making it known. I'm making it known. That's what Paul, his purpose was to make people know the gospel, to give the understanding of it. It was what Paul preached to them. And it's our privilege to preach the gospel. It's not just the responsibility of the pastor, of the man of God, to preach the gospel. It's our responsibility, it's our privilege, all of us, as Christians, to preach the gospel. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now he talks about the fact that they had received it and they were standing in that gospel. And uh, it was also what saved them, were saved through the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think it's interesting that he says, unless you have believed in vain. Seems like even in the time of Paul, there were people who made false professions. People who made, you know, for one reason or another. Maybe, maybe they just were trying to please somebody or, or whatever. There, maybe there was no repentance or maybe it was just one of those things they're going to try a little bit of every religion to see if one works. You can't do that with Christianity. You know, it's not just another, you know, let's try this. It is the answer. And if you don't have faith in it, it's not going to work. And so there were those that had believed in vain. But I'm telling you, those who believe from their heart in the Lord Jesus Christ, in his resurrection, he saves them. And again, he made it clear that the gospel is how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. I've had people knock my door. And I asked them in conversation if they knew what the gospel was. They were there to try to, you know, they were talking to me supposedly about the gospel. And I asked them if they knew what the gospel was, and they couldn't even give me this answer. I mean, we should know what the gospel is. And so, Paul found purpose in his life after he met the Lord Jesus Christ in the gospel. To preach it. To get people to receive it. Which is really a hard thing to do sometimes. To get them to hear, to listen, and to get them to believe and be saved he found himself now at this point in his life when this is written in bonds. You know, I've thought about this a few times. There was probably a, a, not a, a greater soul winner in our estimation than the Apostle Paul. And he is in bonds. Four years in imprisonment just doesn't seem like it should be that way but you know what he's still in that imprisonment he still preached the gospel pretty amazing but God was going to use those circumstances in a way that only God can do because Paul's not the greatest soul winner Jesus Christ is he's the only one that can save us and so he used the circumstances in Paul's life to further the gospel that's what it says here so even in a time of difficulty, God used Paul to further the gospel. And so the Paul, through the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has Paul to relay some personal information here to the church at Philippi to encourage them. To encourage them. Paul is in bondage. He's in difficult times. That's not encouraging. And by the way, at the end of this chapter, he makes it clear in verses 29 and 30 that they also were going to face some difficult times. 
In fact, let me read it. It says this, for unto you is it given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. So he knew what was coming in their life and he's writing to encourage them. So what happened to Paul? Caused the gospel to be furthered. That's what verse 12 said, that these things happened unto me have fallen out rather under the furtherance of the gospel. The furtherance of the gospel is the progress of the gospel. Obviously, getting it out, presenting it as it is, getting more and more people to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. So these bonds of Paul had resulted in the furtherance of the gospel. And so, you know, it's like, how in the world did that happen? Well, his bonds were known everywhere in verse 13, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. So everybody in the palace, everybody in the leadership, if you will, of the nation, throughout the Roman leadership, in all other places, everyone knew about Paul's bonds. And look at verse 14. It says, and many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. All right? In other words, if Paul stood for the cause of the gospel of Christ, even unto bonds, then they were encouraged to stand as well. That's what he's saying. The courage, by the way, of one often causes others to find courage as well. I've seen it happen. I've gone to youth camp, you know, every year that I can and, and things. And it's amazing at a youth camp that once you have one who responds, yeah. it's amazing how many others respond. It's amazing how the courage of one can help others begin to stand. And so in their new confidence, they were preaching the gospel. I think it's interesting, he talks about in verse 15, some indeed preach Christ, either of envy and strife, you know. Envy is to feel uneasiness or mortification or discontent at the sight of superior excellence or reputation or happiness enjoined by another. And it really then takes on the position of enmity against that person. There were people who were jealous of the apostle Paul. Here was a man who gave his life to serve Jesus Christ. And there were those who were jealous of Paul, probably jealous of his, uh, of his notoriety and, and jealous of those things. But, and so maybe they were preaching Christ. It says in verse 16, the one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. They think that somehow through what they're doing, they're adding affliction. Paul's in bonds. It's kind of like, okay, now I'm the anointed one. You got to pay attention to me now. Let's, so now that Paul's out of the way, here's me. You know, I've arrived. And maybe that's kind of what they were doing, but hey, they were preaching the gospel. And uh, others, he says, were preaching Christ of goodwill. In verse 15, the latter part, and some also of goodwill. I like that. I think if you're going to preach, you ought to preach of goodwill. You ought to have a right spirit and a right attitude behind your preaching. Just time out for a second. I've known of some preachers that were so out of the will of God, and they preached the gospel and people got saved. <laughs> kind of amazing thing, right? Because some of in our hearts and our minds are thinking, how in the world could that ever happen? Well, because the gospel works. Yes, amen. 
the gospel simply works, and that's the truth, all right? But I believe we ought to be preaching it of goodwill. It's almost like they said, you know what? If Paul can't do this, then it's, we need to step up and get the job done. It was not a labor of jealousy. It was a labor of love in verse 17, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. And so Paul, he says in verse 18, doesn't matter to me what it is. I'm just rejoicing that Christ is being preached, that the gospel is being furthered. You know, you almost kind of, in my mind, I get very visual with this. And I, I see Paul standing and preaching. And then all of a sudden, he, they come and take him and he's arrested. And there's a group of people out there. I mean, what would you do if you were here on a Sunday morning and the authorities come in and they take your pastor, they take him out and they arrest him? We're going to look at each other. Well, I guess we'll go home. Somebody say, you know what? There's some lost people here that need to hear the gospel. And so somebody got up and somebody started preaching. I mean, that's kind of, in my mind, what was doing. Hey, Paul wasn't being, able to, wasn't being able to do what, you know, he was called to do. So somebody else had to step in and do the job. Should have been doing it all along, huh? But they saw the necessity of what they needed to do and they got involved in preaching the gospel. So Paul, living the Christ life, was used to further the gospel even in unfavorable circumstances, which is really an amazing thing to me. And so, you know, I think it's really interesting that Paul, he had an expectation and he had a hope related to the gospel. I wonder what our expectations and hopes are. Do they have any relationship to the gospel whatsoever? Uh, look at verse 20. According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. So he talked about this, what was going on, this preaching of the gospel in verse 19, how it would turn to my salvation, probably referring to the fact of the salvation the same way that he is saved. I would, that would be my first uh, understanding of that. But anyway, so he says, listen, whether it's by life or by death, I want Christ to be magnified in my body. I want Christ to be greater. I want him to be raised in estimation in his life. He wanted to live in such a way that Christ would be seen very large in his body, not to magnify himself, but magnify the Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder how big is the Jesus that people see in our lives? How big is the Jesus that people see in our lives? Does it seem that he is great and we are small? Did you know there's a Baptist attitude that our great forefather John the Baptist had that you and I need to have? He must increase, but I must decrease. It's not about me. It's not built about building on a reputation for myself. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul is saying, that he would be magnified in my life. Sorry to say there's a lot of Christians that seem to be great and Jesus is small in their life. Who are we trying to magnify? Who are we trying to magnify in our life? 
I mean, you think you put that in, in, in any aspect of a church service, whether you're a musician or a, a singer or a teacher or a nursery worker or, or a janitor or a preacher or whatever it is, who are we trying to magnify? We ought to be magnifying the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul wanted to do this. He said this. He said, whether it be by life or by death. He said those great words, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. My life is about the Lord Jesus Christ. And when I die, it's going to get better than it is now. It's going to get better than it is now. And so in this life, Paul was living for the cause of Jesus Christ, the cause of the gospel. Whether it was in difficulty or not. His purpose remained the same. He did all he could for the cause of the gospel. Trials didn't stop him. Trials didn't stop him. And I, I, I get concerned about what's going on in our nation right now. Because we can't do the, the reaching out. We can't do a lot of things that maybe we did at one time. And how is it that the lost are going to hear the message? You know, we believe in confrontational evangelism. And there used to be this term that, boy, you know, we as independent fundamental Baptists, if anybody talked about this, it was like we were, we were dead to the world. Lifestyle evangelism. But there's nothing wrong with a lifestyle that encourages people to get saved. Of living in such a way that shows people the difference in our lives... When we know Jesus Christ is our Savior. To show people we have a purpose and a cause that we live for. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That should affect the way we live. Let's go on down to verse 27. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. So Paul's saying, hey, this is what happened in my life. God used it to the furtherance of the gospel. Hey, I want you to live in that way. I want you to live in such a way that the gospel is furthered. Our conversation should conform to the standard of becoming to the gospel. The standard of becoming to the gospel. Conversation is a word that means really the way that we live. The same Greek word is translated in Acts chapter 23 verse 1 where Paul said, I have lived in all good conscience. The word lived is the same word. Mr. Webster of 1828 said it is a general course of manners, behavior, deportment. I like the word communication because, well, we live in a communication age, don't we? And I think that it, you know, our conversation with others, it's any way in which we communicate ourselves or communicate a message to someone else. And so thinking of that, I need to rein in everything that I do, everything that I say. It needs to be only that which is becoming to the gospel of Christ. My words communicate. My attitudes communicate. Yes, they do. <laughs> Whoa. 
That's something that probably every independent Venerable Baptist Church needs to be reminded of. Our attitudes communicate. And listen, just because you have that attitude doesn't mean you need to share it with everybody else. You know? They walk in, oh, they got an attitude. Well, everybody has an attitude. You just need to have the right kind of attitude. You know, if there's something wrong with that attitude, it's not everybody around you's problem. It's your problem. It's you're responding wrongly and your attitude is not becoming in that situation to the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes we just need to get over ourselves. It's not about us. It's about him. Our actions communicate. Our inactions communicate. Think about this day and age that we live in, and I know that I'm kind of pre all of that stuff. I mean, I'm a, you know I'm pre because I was here before all that stuff, and I'm post because I'm be, you know I'm past it. You know what I'm saying? You know all that electronic stuff. Some of you that are you know elderly like me, you, you kind of understand what I'm talking about. All right, but anyway, my texting, my tweeting, my posting, my responding on social media communicates. We used to say that we should engage the brain, you know, before, you know, make sure the brain is in gear before engaging the mouth. Yes. And I'm, I'm afraid that too often, and I don't do a lot of it, I just hear about it. I'm afraid that a lot of that stuff just doesn't communicate something becoming to the gospel of Christ. Let me ask you, Christian, why would you put something out there for thousands of people to see that you know someone along the line is going to go, hey, if that's what a Christian is, I'm not going to be a Christian. Really? Think about that. We need to think about what's going on. Well, I just was so upset. All right, then take it to the Lord. Don't take it to Twitter. You know? Hey, listen, we have to learn to deal with things in a biblical way, but understanding, hey, listen, I have a cause Do you see, a lot of us as Christians, we're kind of like Nancy Pelosi and Governor Newsom. We're telling everybody else, this is the way you live. And in private, we're doing what we want to do. We're going to our hairdresser without our mask. We're going to the uh, French laundry, which is probably about 30 miles from my house. And I have never been there. I don't believe I could afford it. If my wife one day and said, hey, you know what? It's my dream to go to the French laundry. I'll probably say, hey, wait till I die, remarry. <laughs> okay, but anyway. <laughs> and because, uh, <laughs> but anyway, you know, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, we as Christians, you know, hey, listen, we're supposed to be becoming the gospel of Christ. We say, hey, this is our cause. This is what is important to us. And then we go live in a way that's unbecoming to that. Yes. And I think the world sees through And I think this COVID thing has caused a lot of people to see through us as Christians because of the way we've responded to it. Our bad attitudes. Our spirits. And things. Hey. Paul was trying to get them to understand even in difficulties. The gospel can be furthered. 
Let's just keep doing what's right. Let's live in a manner that's becoming to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul wasn't trying to overthrow the government. Paul wasn't trying to do all kinds of things. Paul was just trying to preach the gospel to whoever he could. He talks about here, he says in this verse, that whether I come and see you or else be absent. You know, our lives should be becoming to the gospel of Christ upon inspection. And we ought to be inspected. We ought to be inspected. I sort of think that for a Christian, Sunday morning, Sunday school, Sunday morning, worship hour, Sunday night, preaching time, Wednesday night service, those are inspection times. I really do believe that to some degree, those are inspection times. We're to come, we're to present our lives. Hey, how are we doing? You know, the Christian life. I think that's important. I think there needs to be an accountability between us and others. Hey, we ought to be constantly saying, Lord, search me and know my heart and try me and see if there be some wicked way in me. Let our lives be inspected to see if we actually are living in a way that's becoming to the gospel of Christ. And then he talks about, or else be absent. That's like, you need to have a reputation that you live in a way that's becoming to the gospel of Christ. You start thinking about it. What is my reputation as a Christian? What is my reputation? What do others say about my living if we were to go to others, if we were to go to some of your relatives who are not saved, your neighbors or people you work with, and we were to ask this question, what's the cause of their life? Would they even have a clue that we're supposed to be living for the gospel? Would they even have a clue? I mean, really, we should have a reputation and that that's what we live for. The cause of Christ, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think this is really cool when Paul says here, that I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Amen. You know, <laughs> if we're going to have church unity, we've got to have the same cause. Got to have the same purpose. And you know what? If we'll all get in place here and we'll live in a way that's becoming to the gospel of Christ and we'll do that upon inspection and our reputation will be that way. Hey, listen, there will be the unity. We'll be living together and striving for the faith of the gospel. That will be what we're most interested in. Not building ourselves a name and a reputation. Not concerned that someone else got a little recognition and I didn't get it. That someone else got a part in the, in, in the song that I didn't get or whatever. Hey, listen, it doesn't matter. Because we are about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter what our life situation is, we should be striving for the faith of the gospel. I want to remind you, Christian. He says in verses 29 and 30. Well, verse 28 talks about and nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. Listen, I'm telling you, the world doesn't understand us. The world will try to terrify us. Am, am, am I reading that wrong? And nothing terrified by your adversaries. Why is it that they're picking on churches? I think there's an adversary that wants to terrify us. And there's a lot of members in across America in churches and around the world that are terrified of COVID. Whoa. 
If I get it, I probably only have a 99.9% chance of surviving. <laughs> and they can't understand why we're not terrified. And, and sometimes as Christians, we act like, well, you know, I'm not afraid of anything. No, we have a cause that's greater than a fear. We have someone that's greater than fear in our life. We, we, we traded in our fear for the Lord Jesus Christ and trusting him. And he says in verses 29 and 30, again, for unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. So, all right, you know, hey, listen, Paul's not the only one who is going to suffer for the cause of Christ. When we sit here, Christian, we have to realize that so many of our forefathers suffered for the cause of Christ. Many were faithful unto death. They were faithful to the cause. So let's think about this really quickly. First of all, have we taken ownership of the gospel? Have we taken ownership of the gospel? We've been saved. Yes, that's how we got saved. It's through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Have we picked it up and say, hey, this is mine. This is mine. You know, a lot of us have sports teams. That's my team. You know, hey, I'm, I'm blessed because I have a college that's named after me. Marshall. They lost their bowl game. But, I, you know, we all have our ideas and things of what we root for and what we want and all of that. Hey, as Christians, why aren't we picking up that cause? It's, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a man in our church. He's, I don't know, he's probably 55 or so, 60. I don't remember how old he is and, and things. And, you know, he's just a nice guy. He really is. He walked in with a mask the other day because, you know, we try to, we've tried to encourage since we were called by the police, at least wear the mask in, you know, and wear it out, not to wear it while you're in or whatever. But anyway, we try to encourage it. He walks in with a mask that says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that who's believing them should not perish but have everlasting life. You know, now it wasn't true, but can you imagine a guy walking in by him, beside him? 49ers thing on the side. It's like, hey, you know, sometimes as Christians, our cause is not what it really ought to be. We, have we picked it up? Have we made it ours? Paul said, this is my gospel. It ought to be my gospel. This is my responsibility to let people know the Lord Jesus Christ. And have we allowed situations and circumstances in our life to cause us to behave in a manner that's unbecoming to the gospel. Christian, let me ask you about your home. <sighs> this COVID hit caused, caused families to be at home a lot more. For some families, it's good. For some families, it's not so good. Some of you have lost relatives and you don't even notice how unbecoming to the gospel your behavior is to them. Let's just be honest. Let's just be honest. 
We have relatives that we say we want to pray. We want them to get saved. But they see us behaving in our homes in a manner that's so unbecoming to the Lord Jesus Christ. I certainly wouldn't want to be the reason that some of my loved ones miss heaven. Because the selfish way that I live. What kind of testimony do you have in your neighborhood, at your work, at your school? I think about things that Christians struggle with. That Christians, this should not be named once among those that name the name of Christ. Let's put some things on there like drugs and cigarettes and vaping and marijuana and that bad attitude and that vile language and that unwillingness to forgive one another and the spirit of rebellion. That is nothing more than a hindrance to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hmm. It's not becoming. It makes the gospel seem not important to us. I... I'm very thankful to be saved. I'm so glad that I am saved. That I was reached with the gospel. I had to thought about that as I was studying for this. I thought about this a little bit. I'm thankful for the people around me that lived in such a way as to make the gospel seem like it really is glorious. Glorious. By the way, twice in scripture, it's called glorious. I mean, really, I'm thankful that there was a preacher and there were some parents and people that were living in such a way that made me, hey, that's, if my parents have it, that's what I want. Some Sunday school teachers and those that taught those things, and I'm thankful for that. So I have to stop and say, is my own life reflective of the work the glorious gospel has done in me? Are there others around me that would see the same thing that I saw that encouraged me to salvation? I I don't really get this whole thing of people growing up in church, knowing Christ as their Savior, and they get old enough and then they get out. And then they raise their own families to not know the Lord. Seriously? Can you imagine a judgment day where a mom or a dad who grew up in church that kind of got tired of it and got out and they go home to be with the Lord and their family stays behind? The family ends up in hell. We want to encourage you, you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Paul said, listen, what's happened to me has happened to the furtherance of the gospel. Here we are. We're living in some weird times, some difficult times. It's okay. We need to let God use it to the furtherance of the gospel. Maybe it's exposing to us. We haven't really been living the gospel as we should. It's okay. Let's get right with him. Let's get right with the Lord. Let's let the gospel be seen for what it really is. Glorious. If you're here tonight and you haven't believed in the gospel of Jesus Christ, there is no other means of salvation. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We need to put our trust in him. I'm going to have you bow your heads at this time.